All right, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us together. Um, it is 6:30 on the dot, and we've got a full night tonight, so we're gonna jump in. Hey, you guys made it. You made it after a long day, I'm sure. And um, I know there's other places that you could be. So again, thank you for being here and investing um, in this conversation about Jesus. And um, we've got a great night of content to jump into. Our friend Robbie Fisher is back with us tonight, a special guest appearance. Um, Jen's going to share her story tonight um, as we wrap up, and we're going to jump into Mark chapter uh, chapter 7 through 9. So if you have a copy of your scriptures or your journals, and you want to just go ahead and make your way over to Mark 7, um, we'll be in that section through chapter 9. And just, again, for those of you keeping score, this is our fourth session. So we're over the halfway mark, and we're going to bring it home. Um, I want to just remind us before we jump in tonight, um, kind of the things we agreed to together as a group of learners, that we're going to be curious, open, and interested. And you guys have been. It's been incredible. Um, We're going to respect each other. We're going to have respectful conversations. We're at different places on the journey. Um, We may not agree on everything. Um, And that's okay, but the scriptures tell us that we should live with each other in an understanding way. Um, So we don't have to agree on everything, but we're going to live in an understanding way with each other and be respectful. That's been great in here. I've been so, I just, I talk about you guys all the time. Um, And it's just been great to me how, how many like together common conversations we can have. I thought like, you know, because we really designed the class for like 20 or 30 but I just, we couldn't say no to anybody. So I'm, I'm so glad um, that it got to where it got to, but I was a little concerned, are we gonna be able to have one conversation together? Um, and what that requires is trust in the room with each other. And I think we've achieved that together really quickly. So thank you for that. Um, we're gonna be willing to be transformed and not just informed, meaning we wanna learn a lot of things and, and hopefully you have already. Um, but we're, what we're really after is, is transformation, something changing in our lives as we follow Jesus and, and learn about Him. Um, engagement, again, it's been awesome. Um, just we'll mention our technology thing again. If you use technology for the class, go for it. Um, you know, if you're checking, checking scores, maybe come back to us. Um, and then we're going to assume positive intent um, and be as non-defensive as, pos- as possible. Not, not easy, but we're going we're gonna to do that together. All right, I'm going to start us off with uh, a He Gets Us video. And we'll have a couple of moments or minutes of conversation around your table. And so um, I want to say this because last week it was like super quick. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give the instructions and play it. And then we'll use um, the video just as a conversation starter. Like, what did you notice? What did you think? Um, and, and also introduce yourself because you guys are doing a good job of, of mixing it up. So if you're at different tables, different people, combinations, um, take the opportunity to introduce yourself as well. Okay? Everybody good? I haven't checked the volume, so I may have to. This is so scary that I'm technology person. Jen, I know, is laughing. I'm not even going to look at her right now. Uh, hang on. hard. Okay, ready? Oh, man. Go down. 
I know, but it's not playing. Oh, I got hit play. Everywhere he looked, people suffered. Anxiety ran high. Hope dwindled. Hatred rose. His neighbors had lost trust in the system and in each other. I need to do something, he thought. I'll bring them together and feed them. Around the dinner table, they can talk and see how much they have in common. Shared struggles. Shared joy. Shared pain. So he prepared a feast and invited all into his home. But some refused to sit at his table because they chose to only see differences. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to eat and be filled, not with food and wine, but with compassion. All right. Let's spend a few minutes around the table. Great, man. Good job. There's such a beauty in the table, you know, like when you share a, a meal with someone. Yes, yes. And um, to, to, then biblically, that is the metaphor, you know, that Jesus is creating a table, a feast for us. But to use the modern day images and think about gathering people to a table is powerful. Um, yeah. I think it, for me, like when I read the scriptures and I read about some of the groups that were battling, um, it's a little bit more ethereal for me. And then to see 
current day groups that are would really struggle to sit at a table with each other and have a civil conversation. Um, it makes it it makes it real of you know, what that would look like. And it really rhymes, you know, it's like you have a yeah. as a society with trappings and you know, they're different, but they're at the heart, it's, it's, it's a lot of the same thing, same emotions regardless of where we are. There's a commonality salvation and grace will come from Jesus like just such opposites of uh, that you know, people enjoying each other at the table and laughing and cheering on then that one picture of the police line like you see in there That's exactly right. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever we call them. Yeah, whatever they are. They're, they're great. great. <laughs> I, think they've, I think they've got one in the Super Bowl this year. You think so? I think so. No. It's a group called He Gets Us, and um, I know the DeMoss family, the Green family, and, and several others are, um, but there's a lot of anonymous donors to it. And I think they're just, when you go to their website, they're just trying to be intentionally provocative to start conversations about Jesus. Um, so as best I can tell, yeah, very well funded, and as best I can tell, apolitical and with just the agenda of starting a conversation about Jesus. Um, so anyway, yeah. Kelly, anything for you? Not tonight? Okay. All right. All right, guys, maybe, maybe uh, 30 more seconds and we'll, we'll come back together. Okay, um, great conversations. Let's start with just reflecting back on kind of where we've been and where we're going tonight. So we're in the Gospel of Mark, right? And we remember our first verse, that this is the good news about Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. So we started together with just a conversation about, um, you know, how Mark 
via Peter, describes Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And then uh, session two, we talked about Jesus, the prayer and the forgiver. And then last week, we talked about Jesus, the preacher. Um, remember that the parable of the sower and the four soils. That was a great conversation. And tonight, we're going to have two conversations um, from our section of Scripture, Mark 7 through chapter 9. Um, one is going to be in chapter 8, and one is going to be in chapter 9, by the way. Um, but we'll talk about Jesus, the miracle worker, and look at a, a miracle that Jesus performed, and we'll just talk briefly about miracles themselves and have a discussion around our tables about, about the miracles that Jesus performed and what they were all about. And then we'll talk about Jesus, the lover, and we'll explain that when we get there from John chapter, or Mark chapter 9 um, and the parable of the, the demon-possessed boy and the father that's advocating for his son and uh, the interaction there in, in Mark chapter 9. Okay? Everybody good? Okay. Um, so let's talk about two big dinners. Um, and this is kind of interesting, um, you know, because we, we learn about the feeding of the 5,000, and that's kind of the more popular dinner of the two big dinners. Um, and so we read about that. That was in our section last week in Mark chapter 6. And um, I think we may have talked about this, but interestingly, you know, the, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. It's really interesting. Um, so we're going to talk about the feeding of the 4,000, which is kind of the, 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 the little brother um, in the conversation, but equally as important. Um, so two distinctive events. So Mark and Matthew capture the feeding of the 4,000, and then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John capture the feeding of the 5,000. So we know like different details, um, different, even different amounts of bread and fish, if you read it, different amounts of leftovers. So two distinctive events. Um, and chronologically, we think that the feeding of the 5,000 happened first in this, this incident that we'll talk about tonight, this miracle, the feeding of the 4,000 in Mark chapter 8. Everybody good so far? Okay, so let's read our passage together. Um, and if we have a reader, just 10 verses. So I think um, you know, we could probably just do one reader on this one. If anybody feels bold and inclined to read um, the, the feeding of the 4,000, Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. John, you want to take a stab at it? Sure. Okay. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way. Some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples, who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were also found. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of, I don't know how to pronounce it. Dalmanitha. Yeah, yeah. 
And we don't even know where it exists, by the way, that town, so it's fine. Um, thank you so much, John. Um, hey, would it be helpful to watch, to watch this? I think it's kind of fun to watch um, before we get into our observation interpretation application. So, spoiler alert, you know, like to the two big dinners, The Chosen has not recorded an episode on the feeding of the 4,000. So this gets the, the underbilling, but we do have the feeding of the 5,000 and there are a lot of similarities. So I thought tonight we could watch that um, and pick up on a few things and then we'll have a conversation about Mark chapter eight, verses one through 10 together. So this is a little bit longer clip. Um, Dan, do you mind like maybe dimming one of the lights just, just when it's a shorter clip, yeah. Get some popcorn, be ready to roll. Okay, I'm gonna hit play this time. You guys ready? Okay. The volume okay? Tell me what you think of this. A man had two Good. sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. Afterward, he changed his mind, and he went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I will go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two sons did the will of the father? Yes. I want to show Say it another way. It's like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Listen carefully, because this is accessible to all of you, regardless of race or creed. The last thing you need. The kingdom is so valuable that once you have glimpsed it, it's worth parting with everything you have in order to gain it. Even though to others you might look like a fool, throwing away your life savings to buy what would look to others an unremarkable field. But you know of the hidden treasure. That makes it worth everything. Have you come closer to here, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> My friends, if you'll excuse me, I must speak with my students a moment. Rabbi, people some have been without food for days, others have traveled great distance. So, give them something to eat. We're out of food. They're out of food. We have to send them home. But at this point, they're so hungry and tired that we send them home, they're faint along the way. You knew they were hungry? Yes, Judas. I can see them while I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Congress is a tough one. Who <laughs> buy some bread for all these people? We only came a little over 200 denarii. Rabbi, that's not even enough to get a little bit for everyone. I wouldn't even know how to calculate that. Matthew and I can calculate that. That's really easy. <laughs> Maybe if we go to the cities, we can negotiate something on credit. Yes. Yes, that could work. Negotiate with who? The closest city is a villa, and its entire population is here. It's nine miles away, and even if we raided every house in town, we'd have to find a way to bring it back here, and it would still only feed a fraction of the masses. Can you bring me anything? Surely there's some food from someone, even a small amount. Five loaves of bread and two fish.
I kept you here all this time giving you spiritual food. But you clearly need actual food now. So let's eat. even more than we needed. We'll get used to this kind of map. <laughs> I'm in. Thank you, Rabbi. All right. What'd you notice? Tell me what you think of this. Dang A man it. had two sons, and he went to the... What'd you notice, Gas? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else? I thought it was interesting that they, the disciples didn't think they were going straight into the logistics of how can we make this happen? How can we get actual food and how can we get money? They didn't think to say, can we just do a miracle? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's great, Kelly. And especially... For, for our second big dinner because they've seen this play before. Yeah. And yeah, I, wish, I wish he brings yeah. more. Um, I think we know what he has done as he leaves, though we still look to him or don't as if his capabilities are limited, mysterious, forgotten, lost, hidden, overlooked, hmm. all the while in plain sight within our reach if we choose to turn our face toward him. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. What else did you notice? Uh, the focus was on the miracle, not the person. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bill, good to see you, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting how Jesus performs the miracle, but he still gives it to the disciples who pursued that. You know, like he, he could have made the multitude appear in those chapters about having them Forward yeah. Disciples, but mm-hmm. he made sure that that when he was serving others, his disciples still did it. That's great, Alex. Yeah, great observation. So, did everyone hear that? Yeah. John. Going off of that, would it be because the disciples were not yet fully believers? Hmm. Yeah, it seems like it was just as much for them, right? And and especially in Mark 8, our text tonight, a second time that this happens, right? Not, not that any of us would need a second time to remember something, but I'm sorry, Sarah, you were saying? They call them Stugans. You noticed that too. Yeah, isn't that great? They're my students. Yeah, what did you think about that? I like that. Yeah. What did you like about that? Because it's a process. Yeah. And- lends itself to the point of that they're not fully believing yet either. They're they have to come to it. It's not like they Yeah. Or they've forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. Use it and they've forgotten. Yeah, they've forgotten. 
it's great, Sarah. Sarah. Say, I need to go take care of that problem over there. Because mm -hmm. the disciple said, we have a problem. <laughs> and he yeah. said, I need to send my students. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he, as you know, said, appropriately great. Mm -hmm. This is great. Yes. It's good. It's good, Irene. It speaks to the way we solve problems. They were calculating, they were figuring out what tools they had. Mm -hmm. Because I think it speaks to us mm -hmm. that we do the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're distracted by our things, by our frustrations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Lynn. How Christ or God didn't come in. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of people have tried to make a lot of things about the different numbers, and I'm sure there's some symbology in there. But definitely the it's it's just a pointer to the miraculous. But yes, Travis is if you read the account in Mark eight, again two different accounts, so we know it was different incidents, right? Different number of people that were fed, different number of baskets left over different number of fish it just says there were multiple fish or a few fish I think it says in the text um, instead of instead of two Dan you, you want to say something most of your miracles are spiritual means driving out demons or things like that this is a, a purely material means I think it's you know, it's a temptation for me also to not go to God and first I guess the material means if I can solve this myself um, versus something that I know I can solve but it's a the fact that they have to be reminded too is very appropriate. Yeah. That it's, you know, it's something that they don't want to bother him with the material means. They are safe asking him for the stuff that they really can't do. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dan. Yes. Um, I think it's very uncomfortable, mm -hmm. very welcoming, the fact that what isn't like Jesus' responsibility to feed people. Yeah. I just like to try to um, compare it to like in a book like Conference. Yeah, I love that too because I was thinking about it in terms of our opening. He gets us, and that Jesus is preparing a table for us. That there is a um, a thoughtfulness, a hospitality, of inviting people to the table, and there's a sacredness, you know, in food and sharing a meal together. So I love the when he says, "Let's eat," you know, it's a party. We're going to eat together and enjoy the food. Thank you. Anyone else? Things to notice in our text or in the in the video? Yes. It's a little unrelated to today, but I found I couldn't help but remember why his apostles, even having seen what he had done, it still doesn't occur to them what he what he can do. But his first miracle, the wedding of Cana, his mom actually knew and hmm. had ushered him. So I just couldn't help but just think yeah. of the privilege of being yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And there was like a little inference to Cana there. Yeah. 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 This looks familiar. Yeah. That's great. Okay. What, so 
let's go to some things that, um, what could it mean, you know, interpretation? What, what, what could some of the things that we've noticed mean um, just in general or personally? For sharing that, yeah. If we're blessed with a bounty, we're to share it. Yeah, <coughs> good. Thank you, Bill. So the little boy who gave his food. Yeah. Literally was not counted. Was counted five thousand men. Yeah. But he wasn't even counted, and he's the only one. Yeah, great him. observation. Yeah, that's great. I love when he says, "I can do a lot with this." Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? Interpretation? What does it mean? Well, we should never forget about the mystery of hmm. baptism. I mean, I've been just thinking a lot about the children and how Edward was always so surprised at what he can do. And that we shouldn't lose that mystery. Hmm. You know, like, we take it, we almost take it for granted, and we go to it too late. At least I know I go to him too late. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Anybody else? Okay. Let's think about application. What do we do with it? You know, we observed a lot of things. We've interpreted several things. Like, what, what are some practices for us together or individually that you think we could take from this miracle and even just understanding Jesus as a miracle worker. Yeah. Planned all this. <laughs> yeah. Sharon. Anybody else? He, he mentioned the mustard seed, how it grows, how the birds build nests and rest. And the application for me is I'm to rest hmm. in Christ's shade hmm. or in his presence. Yeah. And it, and enjoy it. Yeah. And embrace it. Hmm. That's good. Thank you, Bill. One reminder that if we're still all on this Yes. Because they can't, they're people. Yeah. yeah. We're human, exactly. Right. 
Do you know all those boys are magicians? Uh, the magician, right? With the yeah. card up and <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And remember, you know, I think we talked about this maybe the first class um, where C.S. Lewis said, you know, the best teaching is reminding people what they already know. So, of course, we're always learning new things, but oftentimes it's being reminded of what I already knew that, but I've forgotten that or I just didn't remember. Um, and so I think for sure what strikes us about this one is like, man, this play has literally been run before. Um, but if you're a football fan, or there's, I think there's a game this weekend, um, it's like, well, I think they ran that play before, but they forgot, you know, and, and it's, I'm sure it's true for the disciples too and all the busyness. Oh, yeah, we're standing next to somebody who could, could feed all these people. It's true for us too. Yeah, that's good. Good. And I think that's kind of the point of what he's doing is that it's not so much about feeding them materially the bread, it's feeding them that bread of life. Yeah. And that they need to learn to produce the bread of that. Yes. Good. Yes. I, I gather that there's so much unnecessary anxiety. If you just stop and remember, there's so I mean, like unnecessary. I mean, they're standing next to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, like just the, like we, what we put ourselves through. But yeah. if you just stop, remember, pray that you don't have to go through that. Yeah, great. Thank you for saying that. I think it's a reminder too that you don't have to bring much to the table. Hmm. Like he, he's gonna bring it all. Yeah, I think that's a great point because <clears throat> he could have made it out of nothing, but there was a bring, bring me something, you know, just what do we have? Bring me something that I can work with. Um, so there's a beauty in that. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Participation. Yeah. And he wants us to participate. Yes. Yeah. It's good. Well, I just, if I could for just a minute, and then we'll, we'll get to our tables for, for a, a little bit of discussion on this, and then we'll move to the next section. But one thing I just wanted to point out in this miracle, and it's recorded in the feeding of the 5,000 as well, so both big dinners. Um, and I forget now, I can't remember, it's Travis. Um, was talking about, who, who, or Alex was talking about distributing, and, and he gave it to the disciples. But three words I did want to point out here in the text, if you're, if you're looking at it with me, in verse um, 6. And I think this really is a, a little bit of a foreshadowing to the Last Supper. Um, so I think maybe part of the repetition of the miracle is both of them use language that's used at the Last Supper. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that really quickly as we think about Jesus, the miracle worker, that nothing is lost with him. So not only this moment that we saw, but he's also teaching something that's going to repeat itself again. Um, and I think actually repeat itself again with us. And the three words I just wanted to point out that he uses here is um, that he thanked God, or he, he gave thanks, so thanks, and then broke the bread, and then he, then he gave it. So a thanking, a breaking, and a, and a giving. 
and and if you if you think about that, um, you know that's really what God does to us. Um, that as we give our life to Him in thanksgiving, that He breaks us, and it's not an easy process, but He breaks us of ourselves, and our dependency on ourselves, and and it's through breaking um, and brokenness that He can give us a way to a you know a world that's really really hungry and needs to eat. Um, but there's a there's a thanking and a, a breaking and a and a giving. That's what God wants to do with us. And so I think there's a couple things going on here. There's a physical teaching, but there's a real spiritual teaching that's going to be repeated again at the table, the last table. Um, again, it's a theme running tonight: tables and Jesus creating tables, inviting us to tables, and this teaching of giving thanks and also giving thanks for the brokenness in your life. Um, whatever that might look like, because it is through breaking that we're able to be given away. And I think that's a that was a deeper, much deeper spiritual lesson that he was giving to the disciples. And part of what happens in all the miracles, we'll go to our discussion here, is that miracles are a physical manifestation of what's happening in a spiritual reality. So the, the physical, you know, we talked about, I think, two weeks ago, the, the difference between magic and miracles. You know, magic is entertainment. It's, it's sleight of hand. Um, a miracle is meant to give some kind of a teaching. It's a deeper teach spiritual understanding. It's something that's representing something that's happening in the spiritual realm. So the miracles always had a spiritual teaching go with them. They were never just done to just to entertain people. There was always a teaching that came with it. And this is a these are deep waters here. You know, of the the teaching to the disciples, but he's even showing them what's going to happen at the table. Um, that's coming, and I think he's even showing us now as disciples, as his students, Sarah, um, in process, you know, where we're at, you know, that God is, is, is busy wanting us to give thanks for all of us, who he's made us to be, but also letting him break us um, so he can give us a way to a world that, that needs to feast. So, okay, let's go to our tables, and I've got a question for you. Um, the question is, why do you think Jesus performed this miracle? But you could also go a little further, like, why did Jesus perform miracles? And, and what we just talked about. But specifically the miracle here in Mark 8. Um, just to spend a couple of minutes talking about why Jesus performed this miracle and what it tells us about Jesus, what we learn about Jesus from the miracle. A couple of minutes around our tables. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
what I didn't see what I was chasing. Not thinking. So now Jesus himself is coming. Like the crowd's going somewhere. I might go and All right, guys, maybe one more minute. One more minute, we'll wrap up. Just got sure this. We didn't get shot. 
slide, and then I've got... What is my slide? I have a slide after the thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll just... There's that. Okay. Just a, you know, just a depiction of the miracle. And then there's a, a, a just a word about miracles from Yancey. And then there's a discussion. So maybe what if I do that, skip to that at the end, and not do the, the two slides? Not that those. I, well, I've kind of arranged it now according to your observation and interpretation. Perfect. So you just want this up while you're doing that? Just this. Sweet. Do you want to sit yeah, here? Okay. All right, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us back together. Um, my least favorite thing to do is to stop conversations. So. Sorry, I'm sorry to stop conversations, but just for the sake of time, we're going to come back together, and we've got one more section to cover tonight um, before our story. So, I'm going to I'm going to kick it over to Robbie um, to move into Mark chapter nine, verses fourteen through twenty nine. I've got the reference uh, up here. Robbie, all yours. All right. Uh, so here's what I want us to do. Um, like each table, read five verses. We'll read this whole story. And then we'll come back and, and talk through it through the observation, interpretation, and application. So here's what I want you to do, pen in hand. As we're, it's being read, I want you to look for everything about the situation. So you see uh, the disciple, the first line is going to be, and they came down. Okay, came from where? Well, it sounds like you started right in the middle. So I'm going to highlight that, right? I'm going to look for things in the story that's helping me understand the situation. Secondly, I'm going to look for every time the disciples are saying something, good, bad, or indifferent. I'm, I'm noticing the disciples. Thirdly, I'm going to notice Jesus. What's Jesus saying? I'm just observing right now, no, no, without prejudice. I'm just looking. Jesus did this. Jesus said here. Here he is. Okay? And then lastly, the father. There's going to be a father in the story. What's he do? What do you observe him doing? So we're going to look at the situation. What's the backdrop? What's everything going? What's the crowd doing? And then the three people, the disciples, Jesus, and the father. Is that clear? Yeah. Or did I just muddy? Yeah. So keep yeah. your pen in hand and go, star right there. I want to talk about that. I observe that. I see that. The more you observe, the more questions you can have. The less you observe, it's like, oh, yeah, there was a story there. That was really nice. You know, something like that. You can, you can observe or you can say, wow, what a cute grandbaby. That would be part of, like, an observation. Okay, let's start here. Somebody over here, read the first five verses. Okay. When they returned... The other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. The other teachers and religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. Keep on going. Uh, kick it to the next table. Somebody read for me.
Next table. William. Bill, that's you. Yes, it is me, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I have to admit, which chapter are we on? Oh. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, Mark chapter 9. Okay. Anybody else at the table? I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, nine. Okay. Thank you. I apologize. No problem. We're on verse 10. 19. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I'm, you know, I came prepared. Uh, he, answered, he answered them, him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto them. And when he saw him, straight away the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Someone from this table? I'll do it. Um, 23? Verse 23. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Okay, back in the corner pocket. Verse 26, somebody. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with the disciples, they asked him, why could Okay, that's a lot. Okay, let's just talk about the situation. What do you see about the situation? It's broken down. crowd, teachers of the law are inspecting to make sure Jesus is doing the right thing. What else? I noticed they were talking about the faith of the father, um, which is usually part of Jesus' miracles, like they're talking about faith. Um, but then here in verse 25, it said when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing. Um, and so it's like, in this case, he almost did the miracle of the response to like the size of the crowd growing versus like Observations. What else you see about the situation? Okay. 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 Yeah. There's some language here that's kind of like, what's going on? What's he seeing? For sure. I bet it's very tense. Um, at our table, we were talking about in the feeding the four thousand, the people were probably hangry, mm -hmm. like kind of funny, right? But they weren't revolting. Like you right. watch them here. What must that have felt like? And how much were they arguing? Like, what did that feel like for Jesus and the disciples to come into that? Okay, I like that. 
when it starts out and they came to the disciples, did anybody kind of get peek over and say like, what, what is, what's going on here, and see what's happening? So yeah, there's an argument going on. So that's a great observation. We're we're in a tense environment, right? This is not like everybody's just ha having a coke break. Like there's craziness going on. But what does this mean when the disciples came to the disciples? It was Peter, James, and John. Correct. So it's so important to read the story in context. And if you look at it, the story right before. Three of the disciples are up on the mountain with Jesus, and Jesus is transfigured before them. We don't need to get into all of what that is, but they saw a glorified Jesus, and then they met Moses and Elijah and all of these amazing things. So they're coming down like, yeah, baby, what's going on? And they go into Crazyville. <laughs> and here's the nine disciples who are drowning, right? They are... They are not whistling, and they didn't get to see that. So they're walking to this situation. <coughs> everything's tense. Everything is just ramped up. So we've hit a little bit of um, observation and interpretation. What would be an application just about the situation? Hmm. Like, how do you bring it from that's ancient Israel to modern, this is where I live right now? Just about the situation. <clears throat> I would say instead of arguing about the law, consider your relationship with Christ and how you can resolve the issue. Okay. Uh, I mean, in this example, mm -hmm. if the elders were having a conversation about what should we do? What should we do? You don't even need to ask the question. Okay. Okay. Ever been in an intense family reunion where Crazyville has just ascended on your house? <laughs> right? This is not foreign to us. We experience this all the time. And the real question that you should ask the disciples is, who are you trusting right now? Are you trying to figure this out? Hmm. Like, by the way... This is just a sneak peek, but I'll throw this in. The very last thing Jesus says, verse 29. This kind can only come out by prayer. What do you think that means? True. What's it mean in this situation? Jesus is looking at his disciples and going, the reason you couldn't cast it out? This is mm. about prayer. You haven't been praying? Hmm. Jesus is literally looking at the disciples and saying, you tried to do this by yourself. Mm. You're trying. And, and if you go back a couple of stories, they, Jesus sent them out, and they were two by two going out and casting out demons and witnessing and all this great stuff. And they're like, we got this. Yeah, Jesus is up there on the mountain with the three guys. We're going to show Jesus that we've got this. Right? And so they're in a mess. And Jesus says, by the way, you're going to have to pray if you're ever going to get anything done. Hmm. Just a little, you know, application that how many times am I 
Hmm. Telling my neighbor, my neighbor says, pray for me here. I'll just give you some advice. I don't need to really pray with you right now. <laughs> Let me, I'll tell you what I would do with your kids. Right? I'm not even praying. So I naturally do this all the time. I become the expert. I only go to God when we're desperate. Hmm. Now we're desperate. Right? Okay, we got this situation. This kid has a demon. Okay, so let's talk about the disciples. What did you see about the disciples? with each other? Are they arguing with the crowd? Are they mad at the dad? What's the are they mad at the other three that have come down now? Whatever it is, they are not in the spirit. Hmm. What else do you see? I think they were arguing with the religious leaders. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, thanks, Cleo, for sure. You don't hear from them. Like, they don't speak, really. Right? It's like the dad says, well, I asked them to cast it out. They couldn't right. do it. Not, not much, but here's the one key thing that, that kind of got my attention. Verse 18. Um, sorry, I seem to have just lost myself. Maybe it's the verse. Here's what they say. How come we couldn't cast out the demon? What's the operative word right there? Hmm. So not only are they not praying, but the story's really about them. Like, why aren't you talking about the kid? Why aren't you talking about the father? No, Jesus, why couldn't we figure it out? Like, it's an interesting thing that there is a self-centered drive about the disciples. Earlier, they were arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus, help us figure out. Who's number one here, right? Now they're into who failed. Which, which disciple doesn't have enough faith? Why couldn't we cast it out? Can you point out which one didn't have faith? Is it Judas? Okay, there you go. That, that's the reason why we can't do this, right? And then later they're actually going to say, but don't listen to that because he's not one of us. So these disciples have all of this thing of we're exclusive, we're about um, self-actualization and, and pulling these miracles off. And then we feel shame when we're not doing as well. Like, by the way, if the story is about you, shame is right behind the corner. Mm. Because we all know we're posers. That's why we need Jesus. We can't make it on our own. That's what our faith says, except for when we're trying to make it on our own. Like, Jesus, I got this. I'll cast this demon out. Hmm. Okay? Um, so what, what would be an application there? Just a quick application. Hmm. What did you? I think for me it's like when you're feeling that overwhelming chaos in your life, mm -hmm. you're probably not praying. You're probably not spending time with Jesus. Okay. And you need to kind of get back to the basics. That's exactly right. Back to the basics. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Ouch, ouch, ouch. That's exactly right. And my, um, some churches say they are hand fasting, but regardless of whether they are not, if you look at it, there's no, there's no record that Jesus had just prayed or had been praying. Mm-hmm. He'd been up in the mountain, yeah. uh, you know, getting, getting glorified. <laughs> um, only about Jesus, really. <laughs> 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 You look that up there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Getting glorified. That you need to be saturated in the presence of God at all times and not wait until there's a crisis to start praying. You should have a life of prayer. 100%. Yep. All right, let's look at Jesus. Tell me what you see Jesus doing. Perfect timing coming back. Perfect timing coming back, okay. <laughs> you think he knew what was going on down there? Possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was an interesting note about humility for the disciples before. He talks about how he's on the way down from the transfiguration going to, to die, but not talk about it until after he's dead. Mm-hmm. And then there's a crowd, and they're... I'm sure the disciples are feeling the pressure of being able to witness to these people, and it's probably coming from a good place, but they're going about it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just proof that he's going to accomplish his purposes with or without them, but they can only do it with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. There's some reinforcement before he goes away, and he's just reminded them of that. Okay. Good, yeah. Unbelieving generation. Mm-hmm. Are there other examples of him being so straightforward? Yeah, yeah, because it almost. Yeah. And I, I think he's talking to the disciples. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, right. like, he's really kind of saying, how, how in the world are you not catching yeah. what, what's going on here? Why would you not be praying mm-hmm. if you're trying to cast out demons? Mm-hmm. Why are you functioning on your own. Why are you arguing, spending more time arguing about which one of you is the best? Why are you being exclusive? And it's like the good club now. And we just huddle up and we're not inviting anybody. So, I mean, for sure, it's exhausted language. What else? Yeah, I mean, just my my first point is the inference is he they haven't been praying at all. So did you think you were just going to talk to a demon, and he's just going to listen to what you say and go about your business? Like, how does that work? It's almost like they haven't thought it through. Of prepared. yeah, or have been, they're not prepared. So I don't know if there's a specific kind of demon here. I think it's more like you're engaging in spiritual battle for the soul of someone, for the aid of someone, and you're just trying to do it on yourself. That's just like the country club. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to be a good person as or opposed to... treating it more like magic? Or treating it... Wow, that's an insight. It could be if you thought it was like a magic trick. I think well, this is different. 
I mean, well, confronting a devil or Satan and, and feeding people, yeah. those are two different things. So when I read this kind, mm-hmm. I'm saying, I think this kind of situation, this needs like prayers galore, you know, mm-hmm. to get rid of this bad yeah. spirit. Right. I, and I see the proof of the food as being something totally different than this. Mm. Mm. I, I, what, uh, what jumps to me is the John 15, it says, without me, you can do nothing. So how many people could they have fed without Jesus? Mm. No, they fed a family. A family, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what happens to this demon without Jesus' help? So I think it's supposed to be showing our helplessness at every turn. Well, and uh, in verse 23, when it's like, what do you mean if I can? Yeah. Anything is possible if a person believes. That's yeah. right. So that's a very interesting. Now, here's, let's, quick, because uh, we, we're going to get Jen's story. Um, <laughs> so let, let me just say this. What this amazing thing, all of this turmoil, all of this struggle, and what does Jesus do? He comes to the man and, and what? You see him talk to the father. What's he say? How long? Like so, all of the disciples are worried about how they're looking, how they're figuring it all out. Jesus is sitting with the man, and he's curious. How long has this been happening? And his heart is compassionate for this man. He knows exactly where he is. And Jesus cuts through all the chaos, all the confusion, all the bickering, and he's sitting with a man saying, tell me a story. Tell me a story. He's curious. And so, you know, I'm jumping to this application right here. Am I curious about my next door neighbor? Am I curious about that barista? Am I curious about my son-in-law who's not of faith and I can't figure out why like this is really if we're going to be on task and in step with the spirit of Christ we want to be curious about folks and their story and we're going to slow down Jesus the easiest thing is Jesus could just go but he slows down and he's asking questions a second thing that I have I'm, I'm kind of just talking time warping it. A second thing is, no matter how perfect the situation or not, Jesus still heals this man. Son. He cuts through the whole thing. Here's why there's hope. The disciples are goofs right now. And I'm saying this in a really nice way. There's a lot of other words you could say. And I resemble those phrases. And Jesus still works. It's not about whether the disciples had it together or not. It's not whether the Father has it together or not. So quickly, last thing. Observations you saw about the Father. It doesn't feel the grace. It absolutely does not. It 100%. Jesus doesn't the relationships. The man responds with, um, I do believe that help me overcome my yes. unbelief. Yes. And he's a little contradictory, except that he's asking for help. That's right. With his problem, with his, with his I guess, 
This is the first person, by the way, in the story that has admitted his weakness. Yes. The disciples, there's no, there's no ad admission in here at all. They're like going about their business. This man, I think he says something like, I do believe, but I'm so riddled with doubts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even, who are you? Please help us. And like this prayer, I, I read this quote from Timothy Keller. He said, this is maybe the most honest prayer in yeah. the Bible. This would be the prayer to emulate. Lord, help my emulate. Help where I'm struggling. And the beautiful thing is Jesus absolutely meets the man where he is. And he ministers to the to the son in a whole different way. Mm, there's hope for all of us. Um, I, I just put these last kind of couple of quotes. I, I love this. Um, the man asks for healing, but he gets a healer. Christ says, uh, so I'm going to jump over that. Um, I know, because that would take me down a rabbit trail. Um, we not only when we ask for grace, grace is not actually the point. You get grace, but you get a savior who gives grace. Uh -huh. There is no grace apart from the savior giving grace, which is this whole meta-narrative of Jesus comes as Emmanuel, God is with us, and that's the gift. Yes. This whole thing is Jesus is present in this story, that's where he wants to be with us. Um, here's the question. What? And now, without any further ado, one of my favorites, Jinlin Green Paint. Hi. You all have been sitting here a very long time, so I'll try to keep you awake. Um, first of all, I just want to say I am so honored to be in this space with you guys. I, like Chris, talk about you all the time and am so encouraged at your vulnerability and your willingness to engage, and it's just amazing to me. I, I just, I'm so encouraged. So thank you for giving of your time and being here, and I think we're getting the better end of the deal. <laughs> so appreciate you guys. Um, my story. So my story is not complete. I'm still very much on my journey, right? All of us are. Um, and as each person has shared, there's been pieces of their story that have I've resonated with. Um, when, If you remember Janet sharing, I loved her description of God as her pursuer, that he pursues her. And as I've been reflecting on my story, I think that's a good word. I definitely feel that in my life. Um, I grew up in the Midwest in South Dakota, a small town in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I am the oldest of four. I have three younger brothers. And my parents um, have been married for almost 50 years, coming up the end of this year. Um, and I can honestly tell you, I do not remember a time in my life where I did not know about that there was a God or that, that, that he loved me or growing up in scripture and hearing stories. That was very much a part of my life. And even saying that, though, it's still becoming like my own faith. I'm still learning, well, who is Jesus to me? Um, I was telling our group we went and saw the new Chosen 
don't I don't understand where we are in the story. I mean, I understand where we are in the story, but like it was the I don't season four and only the first few se episodes or something in the theater. I mean, we were in there for three hours, and I don't think I stopped crying the entire time. I mean, it was just beautiful, and it's what strikes me every time is it's when Jesus is having these one-to-one -one moments with people. They just make it. They just comes alive, and it just. That's who Jesus is in my life. Is just he's so real and 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 he's present and he's there. Um, so I, I grew up going to a, a small um, Lutheran Christian school. Um, grew up primarily in the Lutheran Church, um, and I remember it was such a gift to to be at a Christian school and open your Bible and all the things. And I remember in sixth grade, my teacher. This to this day, it was like oh, I, I can feel what I felt then. She told us to open to the book of Mark, no kidding, and, and get some pens, and we're going to write in your Bible. I was like, we can do that? <laughs> like, we can write in the Bible? And I remember, you know, as a sixth grade girl, these fun, colorful pens and marking up my Bible and doing a lot of what you just did tonight, Robbie. She was teaching us those things, you know, as a, as a middle schooler. And what a, what a gift and what a blessing. But again, like, what does this mean to me? Like, who is Jesus to me? Not the school I'm in or what my parents might say. And so um, as I continued on in the Lutheran Church, are, are any of you familiar with Lutheran Church Catholic? It's very similar. Yeah, yeah. So we went through something called confirmation and all of these memorizing things, which was wonderful and learned a lot about church history and Martin Luther and all the things. The small little problem I noticed was um, just the idea of like how do we come to really know who God is and like salvation. And in my particular context of church, it was through infant baptism. And so I remember reading and memorizing these things and I was like, we, we got this wrong. Like they need, the pastor needs to know this. And I met with my youth pastor and, and I let him know the Lutheran church has got this, guys, we're doing a lot of good things, but this, we have missed the mark on this. And I remember him just, God bless the man. I'm sure he was like, who is this person? But he, you know, he said, well, we accept Jesus every day. You know, and I was like, well, yes. And isn't there a point? Like, I'm reading these Bible stories you're telling me to read, and these people are having these encounters with, with Jesus. Like, it's a one, like, it's a thing. And needless to say, they still do infant baptisms, and I did not change their whole <laughs> theology, but... Um, Again, just a step in my faith becoming my own. So there's markers in that for me, right? Like that sixth grade Bible school class and marking in my Bible, like that sticks out to me. And sitting with my pastor that day and who is Jesus to you, Jen? And all along the way, he's pursuing me and making himself known to me. And then from there, went on to college at Liberty. And that's where I met Chris. And really, most of my story, for the most part, is just a lot of... Um, legalism and measuring up to all the things and honestly meeting Chris like that was the f one of the first times I really started to begin to understand what grace really means and still learning that you know in our marriage and that inner critic that I can have you know um, and just knowing God's just deep grace and love and so I mean I could keep talking. I know we're getting close on time, but just, I think that would be my encouragement to all of you. If you walk away from my story, I would want you to know that there is a God that deeply, deeply loves each one of us and is just
passionately trying to make himself known. And trust him, and he's worth it. He's so worth it. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. I think we're going to, do you want me to do this part, or do you want to do this part? I think we're going to have time of reflection of what stuck out to you today. Just a few minutes to just journal for yourself, not that you have to share, but just anything that you're kind of walking away with tonight to carry with you. <clears throat>